Welcome to English 304, Business Communications. Uh, this is Dr. Reginald Watson. And what I'm going to do in this brief audio podcast is uh, briefly go over the requirements for this course um, throughout this eight-week session. Okay, first I want to start out by saying this course is designed to improve your ability to communicate orally and in written form in terms of business-related issues, okay? So by the end of the eight weeks, hopefully I will have taught you how to write effectively and communicate effectively when it comes down to the business world, okay? This course falls under English because the main focus, of course, will be on communication skills, okay? So what I want you to do is review the materials that I have sent out to this point, okay? I have sent you a business topics list, and I think you you really need to look at that as I'm talking uh, on this audio. So you need to have your syllabus and the supporting supplemental materials that I sent out a few days ago. Why? Because as I'm explaining to you what you need to do, number one, you need to understand what I mean when I say business-related topics, okay? And I want you to write this down. This is very important when it comes down to uh, the upcoming assignments. When I say business-related topic, I'm talking about a topic that is in some way connected, of course, to the business world, okay? Um, Something dealing with finances, okay? So, for example, if you look at your business topics list, uh, I have a topic called the emoluments clause, okay? Uh, the Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, okay? Uh, Bitcoin is, is another topic. Why do I have those topics on the list? Because if you examine each of those topics, you can see how each one, Affordable Care Act, Bitcoin, Okay, the emoluments clause, which uh, was a very important topic when President Trump was in office. Um, in general, stocks and bonds, Wall Street, okay, all of those topics are connected to uh, the financial side of the house. So make sure that whatever topic you choose to speak on or write on, that that topic can be directly linked to the business world, particularly when it comes down to finances, okay? The Affordable Care Act, even though it's a health care law now, it is closely tied to the economy, okay? Uh, Prior to people uh, being insured under that law, uh, there were a lot of people who were going to emergencies room because they were uninsured. 
And what happens in the long run? There's an economic hit, okay, to the economy. When you have a lot of people who really don't have insurance piling up in the emergency room. So as a result, what happens? Hospitals in general had to raise the cost of their supplies and the services that they offered to the insured. So does that have an impact on the economy? Of course it does. So yes, the Affordable Care Act, which uh, thankfully the Supreme Court chose not to strike down, uh, has really insured uh, millions of Americans uh, who before were uninsured and really could not afford health care. Okay? Bitcoin is still new in terms of our understanding of it, but it is growing more and more in popularity and as a electronic um, cyber uh, currency, uh, it is really, really taking hold of our economy. So on that note, you need to look at the first listed assignment on your syllabus where it says 30% three oral presentations. Note that the first oral presentation will be September 8th. The second, which is the to persuade presentation, is scheduled for September 16th. And last but not least, the to argue oral presentation is scheduled for September 23rd. So as I'm talking about these business-related topics, I wanted to also start discussing what you need to do for the listed assignments. Okay, for each of the oral presentations, to inform, to persuade, to argue, what are we doing? What are you supposed to, to do in preparation for those presentations? Now, as already uh, emailed to you, as already uh, announced, this course, English 304, is asynchronous, meaning it's totally online. But I want you to note that it was originally scheduled for Thursdays from 6 to 10. Okay, even though we are going to be completely online, Okay, I want you to try to set aside some of your Thursday evenings at least from 6.30 to about 8 or 8.30 for possible Zoom meetings. And it's very important that you try to um, basically engage and participate in those scheduled meetings. Already there will be a scheduled library session. Uh, which is given by some uh, very, very capable librarians. Now, the reason why I have a library session scheduled for a little bit later on in this session is because I want you to understand the research tools that are available. Why? Because for one of your major assignments, which is the individual research paper, you need to be able to find source materials. So the library session, which will probably be scheduled around 6.15 to 7.30 on a Thursday night, uh, is very important. 
And so even though we're not sitting in a physical classroom, I want you to make sure that you try to set aside some time for your Thursdays, not from 6 to 10, not for the entire time, but at least from 6 to about 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock, okay? So I, I promise you I'm going to try not to make the Zoom meetings, which at this point are going to probably number around three at most. I want you to uh, please make yourselves available, okay? Now, on that note, I was talking about the three presentations, okay? What are you supposed to do since we're not in a physical classroom? Okay, this is what's going to happen beginning on September 8th. We are all going to have a scheduled Zoom meeting, okay, for each of these presentations. As I take it back, there's going to be probably a little bit more than three Zoom meetings because in this course, I'm going to set aside Zoom meetings for you to give these presentations. So, make sure that you set aside some time for September 8th, September 16th, and September 23rd for scheduled Zoom meetings where all of you are going to do your presentations. And how is this going to work, technically? I'm going to send an invite to all of you. And around 6.30, everybody should uh, click on the link that has been sent. And then from 6.30 to maybe 7.30 or 8 o'clock, each of you are going to present based on uh, what is due in terms of presentations for that night. So on September 8th, the very first oral presentation will be the to inform presentation. Meaning that, and this is what I suggest, that you look at the list of business topics that I sent and you get to choose a topic off that list. Now, if there's something you want to do outside of that list, that's fine. As long as you choose a business-related topic that is in some sense related to the economy and finances, okay? So for the first presentation, you need to just inform us about the chosen topic. Now, how do you go about preparing for each of these presentations? Okay, prior to each presentation, this is what I want from you. Number one, you need to uh, do an outline, and I will send a sample business outline for how I want you to set up your own outlines for each of the oral presentations. So are you writing a paper for each of these presentations? No. All you're going to give me are three things. The outline is number one. And as you'll see on the sample outline that I will soon send out, all you need to do is sketch out the outline of what your presentation is going to cover. Okay? So, on the sample outline, 
that I'm going to send you. You'll note that there is an introduction, an introductory paragraph at the top of the page. And then I want you to have what we call the thesis statement, okay? Thesis statement, or what we call the statement of purpose, is very, very important, not just for each of your oral presentations, but uh, ultimately for your papers, okay? Because your thesis statement is going to tell point by point what you're going to discuss, either in the presentation or the paper. For each of these presentations, you need to have an outline that has a clear-cut introductory paragraph, a separated thesis statement, okay, which should only be one sentence long, that has two, maybe three major components of what you are going to discuss about that topic. And then under the thesis statement, you need to break down each of the components with a brief discussion, a little detail about those particular components, A, B, and C, or 1, 2, and 3. Just break down in detail what you are going to say about each of those two or three components. And then the last paragraph on your outline will be your conclusion, okay? So you don't have to follow step-by-step step, everything that's on the sample outline that I'm going to send you, but just make sure you do something similar to that example as you're organizing your presentations. Okay, so a typed outline, number one, is what you will email to me prior to the day of that particular presentation, okay? Number two, you need to have a visual example to show your audience while you're talking about the topic. So, for example, on September 8th, what you need to send to me prior to that date is a typed outline, and I would recommend a short PowerPoint, a visual example that you can kind of walk us through as you're talking about the topic. So on the night, September 8th, of presentations, the to inform presentation, when you click on the invitation link, okay, I will set up the Zoom room for everybody to be able to share whatever visual uh, example they have for their presentations. And again, I recommend that all of you do a short PowerPoint. And so on the night of the presentations, I will set the Zoom up to where each of you can share your PowerPoints. And then for about seven minutes, okay, try to give me at least seven minutes in your presentations. For seven minutes, what you're going to do is click through each of your PowerPoint slides as you talk about your to-inform topic, okay? The third and last thing, only thing that you need to turn into me is the Works Cited page, okay? Why should you have a Works Cited page? 
And I'll talk about this in more detail when it comes down to MLA, documentation, and the like. Okay, but quite frankly, this is what you need to do. For each chosen topic for your presentations, you need to do a little bit of research. Have at least one backup source for the to inform presentation, one backup source for the to persuade presentation, and you need to have at least three sources for the to argue presentation. Now, why is that? For the to argue presentation, keep this in mind, you're going to have two sources that help support one or more of the components in your thesis statement. In other words, you need to have some backup, okay, for what you're saying. At least two sources. And what do I mean by sources? What do I mean by academic sources? And you'll see what I'm talking about when you attend a library session. But suffice it to say, when I talk about sources, when I talk about the inclusion of background sources, I'm talking about you going to either magazines or maybe newspaper articles. And what I'm going to do periodically throughout the session is send all of you up-to-date articles on business-related topics. Okay? And I'm doing that for two reasons. Number one, one of your forms is based on your reactions to some of the articles, at least one of the articles, that I have sent to that point. Okay, So keep that in mind. One of your forms will be based on your reaction to at least one of the articles that I'm sending. Okay, And what types of articles am I sending? Most of them will come from the News and Observer. Okay, The most up-to-date information uh, that's tied to business-related issues. Okay, So keep that in mind. Also, I think by me doing this, it will help you brainstorm in terms of what you may want to do your presentations on and ultimately your final paper. Okay, so what are you going to do in terms of sources? For the to inform presentation, find at least one periodical. And what is a periodical? A periodical means either a newspaper or maybe a magazine article, okay? And what you're going to do is reference that particular article in connection with your topic and whatever format your presentation is taking. So, three things. Typed outline, some type of visual, and I recommend you do a short PowerPoint, which you will go through slide by slide as you're discussing the major components of your topic. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's very important that you have a PowerPoint that you can go through as you're discussing for seven minutes the details of your topic. Okay? So for each of the nights that are listed on your syllabus for the presentations, you need to make sure that prior to those nights, 
you send me a typed outline, a copy of a PowerPoint, and a works cited page that will list your source or sources. So for the first two presentations, you only need one source. But that last presentation, the two argue presentation, you need two sources that will back up what you're trying to say, at least one of your components. And then the third source will represent the opposition. Okay. And let me briefly describe to you the differences between to persuade and to argue. For the second oral presentation, the to persuade presentation, all you're doing is presenting one side of the argument. Okay, You're going to take one side of an argumentative stance and present only that side. So that means all you have to do is present uh, support for whatever you're trying to persuade us about. So in a sense, persuasion is very, very similar to argument. The differences are that for the to persuade presentation, you don't have to bring in what the opposition is saying. Whereas for the to argue presentation, you need to, of course, convince us on whatever your side of the argument is. Okay, by bringing in two sources to help support what you're saying. But the difference between to argue and to persuade is that for the argumentative stance, you need to at least briefly mention what the opposition is saying. Okay, Not to weaken your argument, but just to give us an overview about what the opposition has to say about your topic, okay? That's why the third and last oral presentation requires three sources. Two for your position, one representing the opposition, okay? And so for each of those presentations, all you're going to do is go to either newspaper articles or magazine articles to find supporting critics, supporting statements for each of those presentations. So, for the two inform, September 8th, what are you going to do in preparation? Find a business-related topic. Use the list that I have sent. Maybe some of the articles that I have sent prior to September 8th might help you brainstorm in terms of what you may want to talk about. So to inform is just that for the September 8th presentation. All you're going to do is give us information about your topic. For example, if you choose the Affordable Care Act as your topic on September 8th, you will outline the components of the Affordable Care Act not argue anything, not try to persuade us about anything. Just give us the facts. You may want to talk about what is in the program, what's in the law, how does it benefit us, okay? And, of course, in your PowerPoint slides, you will give us an outline of the program, maybe talk about the benefits of uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, 
on the economy. And keep this in mind, for every presentation, for every paper, every, that one paper, you will, of course, um, highlight statistics, financial statistics, uh, and, you know, facts. So anything that's related to business, you need to bring in numbers as well as other facts about that topic. So the Affordable Care Act. If I'm doing my to-and-form presentation on that, I'm going to send a typed outline, and on the sample outline that you will be receiving soon, I have the Affordable Care Act as the topic. Okay? So for any of you that want to do that particular topic, let me know. The outline should be typed, and the content of it I just explained a while ago. Okay. Paragraph, introductory paragraph, a separate thesis statement from that paragraph, and I would recommend at least two things that you can discuss. If you're doing a two-in-form, you may want to come up with a thesis statement that outlines two, maybe three major components or benefits of the law itself. And then, of course, you would bring in a little detail on the outline for each of those uh, major components. And then the last paragraph is the concluding paragraph. Okay? But again, it's not a paper. It's just an outline. So have the outline. Have a PowerPoint. And I would recommend that you set up your PowerPoint slides that clearly stick to the topic of the presentation. So if you're going to do a two-inform presentation, make sure that each of your PowerPoint slides does just that, okay? You break down, if you're doing the Affordable Care Act, you can uh, create slides that break down the important elements of Obamacare, okay? And along the way, make sure you mention the financial impacts on the economy and there's a lot okay so make sure you come up with a short powerpoint and in those slides you know give us enough information that informs us okay and in this case I'm talking about the Affordable Care Act alright third thing would be the works cited page there are a number of important articles that have come out within the last one to two years. So try to uh, go to your periodicals and get the most up-to-date information, okay? Find a legitimate article from a periodical that discusses some element or elements of the Affordable Care Act, okay? And you will reference that as you do your presentation. And you may want to bring in information from that source uh, on one of your slides, okay? And on that note, make sure that you review your textbooks and the discussion of MLA towards the end of the textbook. They don't do a thorough job of talking about how to set up the works cited page and how to do your parenthetical documentation. But 
it gives you a nice overview about what your works cited page should look like and it does briefly reference how you should uh, parenthetically document any sources that you use. In a nutshell, this is more important for the papers. Whenever you bring in a direct quote from a printed source, meaning that source has page numbers, okay, what are you going to do? Well, if you bring in a quote, a direct quote, that means word for word copying of the original. If you utilized, say, a quote from my article, my published article, my name is Dr. Reginald Watson. I published an article in the CLA Journal, okay? And I said something relevant to whatever your topic is, okay? My article is on pages 9 through 10. You found a good quote from my article on page 10. Okay? What would you do if you quoted something from my article? Well, if you mentioned my name prior to the direct quote. And remember, for all direct quotes, there should be quotation marks that you know pretty much surround the original. You should have quotation marks in the beginning and ending quotation marks at the end of the copied sentence or sentences. Okay? So, if you said, according to Dr. Watson, comma, and you brought in the direct quote, how would you document that? This is a printed source. It has page numbers. The quote comes from page 10. What would you put in the parentheses after the direct quote? Well, since you said according to Dr. Watson, you don't have to mention my name again in the parentheses because you mentioned it in what we call the signal phrase before the quote. So in a case like that, if you mention the author's name before the quote, then all you have to put in the parentheses is the page number. Don't put a little P and a period and then the number. Just put the number. In this case, I told you the quote was on page 10. So you would put the number 10 in the parentheses. Okay? So put 10, close the parentheses. Put your period at the end of the parentheses. Vice versa, if you do not mention the name of the author before the quote, okay, in the signal phrase, okay, what would you do in this case? Then in the parentheses, you would put Watson, no comma, number 10, okay? So that's in the case of finding a print source. Now, if you find a periodical that has no page numbers for whatever reason it's called an electronic source how would you document that well there is an electronic version of my article where there's no traditional page numbers alright so how would you document that same article written by me if it had no page numbers 
Well, remember this, and I'm simplifying the rules for you. If for whatever reason you have one or two articles that have no page numbers, this is how you would document quotes from those types of sources. So using my article as an example, my article from the CLA Journal was published in the year 2010. Okay? You use the same quote, okay, but it's not coming from any page number. How would you document that? Well, regardless of whether you mention my name before the quote or not, you would still, in the parentheses, and this is what you would do consistently for electronic sources, in the parentheses, you would put last name of the author, in this case, Watson, no comma, and then the four-digit year of publication. And I told you that was 2010. You will do that consistently with electronic sources, regardless of whether you mention the author's name before the quote or not. Now, I simplified the MLA rules for you, okay? And believe you me, MLA, eighth edition, is very complicated when it comes down to documenting sources that don't have page numbers. What I just did is simplify it for you, okay? So keep that in mind, particularly when it comes down to incorporating direct quotes in the upcoming paper, okay? But I digress. I wanted to talk about briefly MLA because you need to know some of the rules as you're doing these presentations and ultimately when you write the paper, okay? I will send all of you a link, Purdue Isle. It's a link to MLA. Purdue Isle is an excellent source that gives you a nice visual overview about how you should set up your uh, academic papers, how your works cited page should be uh, set up and organized. It tells you how to set up your parenthetical documentation in traditional papers. So I will send that link prior to the library session, where, of course, the librarian will talk in more detail about the rules of MLA, 8th edition. But why is it important when it comes down to your presentations? Although you're just turning in a typed outline, a PowerPoint, and a works cited page, you still need to know MLA rules for how to set up the works cited page. Okay? I told you that your textbooks are, you know, it covers brief uh, rules about MLA and how to set up the works cited page, but it's not as thorough as the Purdue Owl rule link. Okay? So I will send that to all of you because I want you to know how to set up in the proper way your works cited page. And I also wanted you to know that when you use a direct quote or quotes during your presentation and those quotes are on your PowerPoint slides, 
You need to parenthetically document those quotes in the correct way. Because if you do not utilize the proper documentation format, you can be charged with plagiarism. Okay? That's stealing someone else's work. So keep in mind that parenthetical documentation or in-text citations is uh, another word for it. They're very, very important when it comes down to giving credit to the people that you quote from. Even in these presentations, you may want to bring in direct quotes from your source or sources for that particular presentation on the PowerPoint slides. Well, if you do that, then you need to utilize parenthetical documentation. So, getting back to the discussion of the three oral presentations, September 8th, you're doing a two-informed presentation, seven minutes in length. I will set up the Zoom for everyone to share their PowerPoints. Then once you have shared your PowerPoint, you will, for seven minutes, talk through each of the slides, okay? Before you even get started, I will have you introduce yourself. Then after the introduction, you will go into your presentation, and then at the end of your presentation, you will ask everyone if they have questions. So there will be a question and answer session during the presentation, all within seven minutes, okay? So what are you doing for the two and four? You're choosing a business-related topic. I suggest you look at the business topics list that I sent. You choose the Affordable Care Act, that's great. What you need to do is make sure that you inform us about that law, okay? What does it entail? Who does it benefit? But you're not going to argue anything. You're not gonna to try to persuade us on whether it's a good or a bad law. You're gonna just talk about the law itself. If you choose Bitcoin, just tell us the basics about what Bitcoin is. Say something in general about the history of it and how popular it has become in the last few years, okay? So, all you're doing for the to inform is informing us about your chosen topic. For the to persuade presentations, which I told you is due September 16th, same format. You will send an outline, you will send a PowerPoint, and you will send a works cited page prior to that date. And what you're doing is choosing a business-related topic and you're going to try to persuade us from your point of view about this particular topic, okay? So Affordable Care Act is a great topic to do either a persuasive or argumentative presentation on. Why? Because it can be argued there's two sides to that topic that can be argued. But you're going to take one side of a particular argument on a business-related topic, okay? Um, 
you could talk about teachers pay. Uh, believe it or not, that is linked to the economy. Uh, even though it's not something you would consider as a traditional business uh, platform, it's still, I think, related to the economy when, it, when you talk about uh, teachers pay. So you could actually take uh, a topic like teachers' salaries. Should they or should they not be raised in the state of North Carolina? Okay? Don't be afraid to talk about issues that are near and dear or um, basically connected to the state of North Carolina. I will send you a lot of uh, NNO, News and Observer articles, that are connected to statewide issues in business. So don't be afraid to pick topics that are clearly connected to just the state of North Carolina. So teachers pay in North Carolina. What is it nationally? Um, if you were going to do a to-inform on that, you could give us a general overview about teachers pay in general in the state of North Carolina and just give us the information on that. Before a to-persuade presentation, you could argue whether teachers should get their salaries increased or not. Should state employees, North Carolina state employees, get uh, raises, particularly during this pandemic. Another good one would be governmental programs that have been recently passed to help people uh, deal financially with the pandemic. Okay? So the American Rescue Act that was passed when President Biden took office. Uh, now there's discussions of an infrastructure bill um, that could definitely help um, revive the economy, uh, create jobs, and at the same time uh, build on our crumbling in infrastructure in the country. So that is something that could be discussed. Um, governmental programs, governmental rescue plans that have been passed within the last a year or so. Bitcoin. Um, could you argue or persuade someone on Bitcoin? Yes, you could. In a to-persuade presentation, you could argue the merits or the demerits of investing in Bitcoin. Okay, so... What's the difference between the to inform and the to persuade? For the to persuade, you're wading into a sort of an argument. The difference, though, is that you're only going to present your side of the argument. Hence, the one source requirement. You only need one backup source for the to persuade presentation. Why? Because you don't have to bring in what the opposition is saying. You'll do that for the last presentation, which is the to argue presentation. So again, to persuade one side of the argument only. You're only bringing in one source to back up whatever your stance is in that argument. Okay? So I would recommend that for your to persuade presentation, you take a topic that could be easily looked at on two sides, 
but you're going to take one side. The Affordable Care Act is an excellent topic for that premise. Okay? The North Carolina State Lottery, which is another topic on that list. You could argue uh, the good or the bad of the lottery since it's been in place. I think dating all the way back to 2005, 2006, uh, the North Carolina State Lottery, is it really funding our school systems? Um, Is it really hurting our economy or is it helping our economy? There's a number of things you could argue, okay? So that would be a great persuasive topic, business-related topic. So the last two oral presentations are similar but very different. The two persuade, you're only persuading us based on your side of the argument. To argue, you're going to argue one side of the argument, but you're going to have to briefly refer to what your opposition is saying. That's the difference between persuasive and argumentative. Okay? Hence, for the last presentation, the two argue presentation, you're going to be bringing in three sources, as I mentioned earlier. Two for your position, one that represents the opposition. Okay? So, that, in a nutshell, is what you're doing for the three presentations. So, yes, you need to make yourselves available for the nights that those presentations are scheduled. Okay? It's very, very important that you be available to do your presentations on those scheduled nights. And on those nights, I will start the meeting around 6.30 and hopefully get everybody finished by 8.30 or 7.30. Uh, Hopefully it won't go to 8.30, but I try to set aside an hour, an hour and a half for these presentations, okay? There's quite a few of you in this class. So if it's going a little bit too long on any given night, I can always uh, move up the uh, presentations to another night. For example, if we don't finish all of the two informed presentations on September 8th, well, I'll just set aside time on the following week to finish up those presentations and then start the next round of presentations, okay? Depending on how we do each night will determine whether I have to carry those presentations over to another night, okay? So for right now, be prepared to start thinking about what you're going to do to to inform presentations on, okay? Look at the business topics list that I sent to get some idea about what you want to inform us about. Make sure that you send me a typed outline based on the example that I will soon be sending. Send me a copy of your PowerPoint, short PowerPoint, that you're going to use during the seven-minute presentation. And then send me a typed outline. I will send you the Purdue OWL site that will explain to you how to set up 
the Works Cited page. For the two in form, you need one source from a periodical, meaning a newspaper article or a magazine article. For the two persuade, you only need one source, okay, that you refer to during your presentation. For the two argue presentation, you need three sources in total. Two of those sources should support what you're saying. One source should represent whatever the opposition is. Okay. Now, before I go on uh, to discussion of the paper, I want to just briefly reference your eight weekly forums and all posted. And what you need to do is make sure that you respond to each form by the stated due date. In many cases, your completion of those forms will determine whether you're counted present for that week or not. So make sure that you keep a regular check on the posted forms, which you can access, okay, through the collaboration link on the Genzabar site, okay? So make sure that if you don't know how to access the forms, you let me know ahead of time. But suffice it to say, your very first form will need to be completed by 10 p.m. August the 25th, which is a Wednesday. So it's going to be due a day before this class officially begins. Okay, so make sure that you keep up with each of the eight forms. Once all of those forms are completed by session's end, you will receive a 100 for that 20%. So note, the three oral presentations in total are 30%. Discussion forms are 20%. Your individual research paper, which is due by September 16th, 10 p.m., I'm going to discuss that in a little detail, but I will save more discussion of the paper for another audio. Now, what are you doing? You're going to write at least a five-page paper. That means five complete pages, okay? Meaning your works cited page will be page six, okay? So I want at least five pages for this individual research paper. What are you doing? Just like for your oral presentations, you're going to choose a business-related topic to write on. But here's the difference. You need to develop paragraphs to discuss that topic. Okay? And I have sent model papers uh, that have been done in the past that received A's. So I want you to review model 304 papers that have been sent and I will continue sending for you to look at as you're thinking about writing your own papers. So how will these papers be organized? How many sources are required? What are you doing? What are you writing on? Well, you get to choose on what approach you want to take to the topic, meaning your paper can be based on to inform, it could be based on to persuade, or it could be an argumentative paper. I'll leave that up to you. 
Can you choose a topic that you've already have done a presentation on? Yes, you may. You may take one of your presentation topics and build on it in this paper. Okay? That will save you some valuable time in terms of doing your research. So, yes, you can uh, build a paper on one of your presentation topics. So when you start building this paper, what should you do? Well, if you're going to do, say, a to-inform topic uh, on the Affordable Care Act, okay, what would you do? In the first paragraph, you would basically give background information on the topic. You're going to do this consistently, uh, whether you're doing a to-inform, to-persuade, or to-argue. Just make sure that in the introduction, the very first paragraph, that you give us background information on the topic first. You're going from general to specific, so you're going to give us general information on the topic. And then the last sentence in the introduction is what I've already mentioned, your thesis statement. And you may use the first-person narrative, meaning you may use I, the pronoun I. Okay? Say if you're doing an argumentative paper on the Affordable Care Act, um, in the introduction, this is what I would do. I would give some background information on when the law went into effect. And then in my thesis statement, I would come up with two, maybe three reasons why I feel it should stay in place, okay? And in the body of my paper, I'm going to devote a paragraph to each of my reasons as to why the program, the law, should stay in place and not be stricken down. And within those paragraphs, I'm going to, of course, bring in more details, backup support for why those reasons are important. Okay, so an outline of the paper is basically this. Okay? Introduction, and keep this in mind, that your paragraph should be five sentences or more in length. I do not like short paragraphs. So don't worry if your paragraphs are looking a little long. Just make sure you don't give me less than five sentences in length. So five sentences or more in length for the typical paragraph. Okay. So your introduction, make sure you bring in background information. Okay. In this case, the Affordable Care Act. Last sentence, thesis statement, that is when you will specifically tell your readers the two, maybe three reasons why you feel the law should stay in place or the law should be stricken down. In the body of the paper, you're going to devote a paragraph to each of those points, bringing in your opinion, okay? Bringing in quotes from references to help strengthen your argument. So if you have a three-point thesis statement, you're going to have at least three separate paragraphs in the body of the paper. Okay, so that's how you'll organize this. 
In the conclusion, after the body of the paper is completed, you'll give me one last paragraph. That's the concluding paragraph. This is what you need to do. Restate whatever your thesis statement is. You can repeat it point by point if you want to. In the very beginning of the conclusion. And then for the rest of the concluding paragraph, I want you to briefly talk about what you may have gained from doing this particular research paper. What did you learn? Talk about any updates on the topic itself. Maybe you didn't have time to update us on every little thing concerning the topic. If I chose the Affordable Care Act for my paper, I would talk about the recent Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court decision to not strike it down. Okay? So update your readers on what's going on with your chosen topic and the conclusion. And then personalize it. You could, in the conclusion, talk about any uh, personal experiences related to your topic. Did you or a family member uh, benefit from, say, the Affordable Care Act? If so, mention that in the concluding paragraph. In other words, people, leave your readers with something to think about in these papers. So for five complete pages, what you are going to do is give me an organized paper with a strong introduction that gives background on the topic, has a strong thesis statement as the last sentence in the introduction, and then you're going to support each of the points in your thesis statement in the body of the paper and follow the order of the points in your thesis statement in the body of the paper, okay? Within those paragraphs, you're going to bring in supporting details and examples and opinions that will strengthen whatever you're trying to say, okay? And that is where you'll start quoting from secondary sources within the body of the paper. Say if you're doing an argument on the Affordable Care Act, well, just as I told you for the uh, oral presentation, you need to incorporate three sources. In the papers, you need to have three quotes, three direct quotes, somewhere in the body of your paper. Two quotes that back up whatever your thesis statement is saying, and one source, one quote that represents the opposition. And you're only gonna quote from that opposition to refute what the opposition is saying. So don't uh, give equal representation to both sides. That will weaken your, your side of the argument. You're only going to briefly mention the opposition enough to dispute it, okay? So keep that in mind as you start writing your papers, okay? And I'll talk about this in more detail in another audio, okay? Um, homework assignments, those are listed in the calendar, so make sure you email those directly to me on time for each scheduled due date. And the team project, um, I will discuss that in more detail in a later audio. Um, I will send you team assignments, but to suffice it to say, all you're doing for the team projects 
is doing basically what you had to do for the individual oral presentations. And I'll talk about that in another audio.